0: Okay, it's always tricky. This is like the trickiest talk, because after a full day like this, it's, it's hard to get my mind into a place where I can think clearly. The uh, first point I want to make today is that... Uh, you know what this is going to do? Right. The first point I want to make today is that curses... are powerful. And um, when I was in university, I had a friend, I I, am a psychologist, and so when I was in university I was taking psychology, and this story happens at the time when I was in the clinical psychology program in graduate school, which is the time when you actually get to learn how to do therapy. And so it was very exciting, after all this time of doing undergrad and working hard to get in, you're finally in graduate school, and there was this person who would teach at the kind of central therapy class and it was like the class on therapy and they had a professor who was teaching it and they also had a student who was teaching it and so this was a graduate student and this woman was kind of like a therapy guru and I'm just going to describe this class to you because it was very interesting in my opinion she was kind of ballistic, she was kind of earthy, natural, and she was extremely vulnerable. I've never been to a class like this before. We sat on couches and recliners and things like this, and, and we spent the first month reading a book, and to the point where we almost had this book memorized. It wasn't like a textbook, it was kind of a therapy book. And the whole thing was basically yellow with highlighting and then at the end of that we had an exam which was the first exam of the class and the last exam of the class after only one month which basically was 95% of the course's grade with one exam and nobody ever complained about this although I think it was probably against university regulation it was a very stressful exam and after that it was over basically the class was done after only one month and yet we continued to meet on our couches and recliners, with absolutely no threat of failing, it wasn't a class, classroom setting at all anymore. In fact, we all loved the class so much that even when the class was over after the first semester, we continued meeting and it ended up that we were taking this class for a year, even through the summer. Never been to a class like that before. No one missed. We were mesmerized by this professor and her student. And she was in graduate school, but she was a little bit further ahead of us. She was so brave in the way that she shared. She would go into the class. And she was sitting on the couch, and we would start the class with her sharing deep, dark, vulnerable things. One day, when we were walking, I was walking with her somewhere in the university grounds. I think we were going to her apartment. And, I don't know why, but we were just going there. And uh, she was kind of always in therapy mode. And we were talking, and then she started talking about the negative voices in her head. How she'd grown up in negative circumstances, and she had these negative voices, these negative things that she would think about herself over and over again, negative self talk. And then, I couldn't believe she said this, she described something that I probably wouldn't have been able to take seriously from anybody other than her. She says that she talked to herself in her head like a baby, as if she was a child. And that was her way of changing herself. When she said it, I almost snorted out loud. And she said, I go to describe it. And she said, Oh, you're so cute. (laughs) You're trying so hard. This is her voice that she has in her head towards herself. She's talking to herself. Keep going. You can do it. She's like, cool. She'd call. It was hilarious. I couldn't hardly keep it together <laughs> as I was listening to her cooing and calling and calling herself cute. I'm embarrassed to admit that after I heard her do this, to this day, I sometimes coo to myself. <laughs> If I hear any of you coo to me, (laughs) I'll probably laugh. You're doing good, Cyrus. (laughs) Keep
1: trying. You'll get there.
0: We can learn a lot about spiritual curses from natural curses. The first thing is that curses are more powerful than you think. Or at least they're very powerful. Maybe you think they're powerful already. In a natural curse, if you were to curse somebody, if you were to insult them, verbal abuse, these kinds of things, if you're even to reject them, it changes people's brains. It changes the structure, especially if you do it in middle school. I'm not going to get into the parts of the brain, and I didn't even write them down because I knew it probably would be boring to kind of list off parts of the brain and how they change when people are cursed, but they change and sad. And the part of the brain when somebody is cursed, when somebody is insulted, is the same part of the brain that reacts when you hit somebody. If you were to cause somebody physical pain, Or if you were to cause somebody, or if you were to hit somebody, or if you were to call them a name, or insult them It's as if you hit them. It's as if you hit them. So I have people coming to me and saying, well I don't hit my children. But sometimes. And it's sad. It's sad. Because when you scream at a child, when you insult a child, they're going to process that like a slap. like a punch. Cursing is very powerful. And unfortunately, the person who curses you the most, if I was to guess, is most likely yourself. And spiritually, curses are very powerful as well. Hold an example. Jesus cursed, cursed things, cursed a fig tree. Doesn't even seem fair when he cursed a fig tree. Now the next day, when they had come out of Bethany, this is Mark 11:12. 12, come out of Bethany, he, Jesus, was hungry. And seeing afar, seeing from afar a fig tree having leaves, he went to see if perhaps he would find something on it. When he came to it, he found nothing but leaves. For it was not even the season for figs. It's not even the fig tree's fault. <laughs> and in response, Jesus said to it, Let no one... I'm, I'm adding a voice tone. I'm just imagining Jesus. He's going to say this. It's probably in a stern tone. Let no one eat fruit from you ever again. And his disciples heard this. Let's get down a little bit. Verse 20. Now in the morning as they passed by, they saw the fig tree dried up from the roots one night. And Peter, remembering, said to him, Rabbi, teacher, that means look, the fig tree which you cursed has withered away. A curse is a verbal reality, but it's also a physical reality. In the same way that if you curse somebody, it feels as if you hit them. If you verbally curse a tree, it can have a physical effect. We can learn a lot from curses in the natural and how they work in the spiritual. And I do want to make the point that they're powerful, but the main point I want to make today is that they often backfire, which I like. <laughs> I like them they backfire. So, how do they backfire in the natural? Okay. Curses don't work if you don't believe them. To the extent that you believe a curse, it's going to have an effect on you. Did I just? Okay. It's going to have an effect on you. So, if somebody were to call me a name, and there's a little piece of me that actually believes that, it's going to hurt. But if they insult me in a way where I'm very in a place where I'm very confident, I am going to screw up my face like this and be like, "Something's wrong with you." <laughs> I'm actually pretty good at that. I don't know what you're talking about. I don't know what you're talking about. Is there a particular board game that you're good at? Perhaps. And if somebody were to say you're bad at Risk, and you're like, "I'm the king of Risk." <laughs> you're not going to feel it the same way. As if potentially they hit that soft spot that maybe you believe a little bit. I had a client, and uh, I have clients who talk about this often, so let's call her Susie. And uh, I'll just describe this issue in general uh, because it happens so often, but she had negative self talk. She talked about herself very negatively. In fact, and her thing was looks, she would, she felt like she was ugly, she thought that she was gross, and she talked, she said this to herself all the time, she wouldn't look in a mirror, and so she told me this, and so we decided to try to come up with an alternative to gross, because <coughs> gross didn't feel like it would be healthy, so we decided to come up with something else, which is harder than you think. The research shows that you can't just come up with any alternative to self-talk. Because I was like, well, what about beautiful? Could you just go around saying beautiful? How does that feel? And her response, like many times it happens with this, is, I would say, what about beautiful? And, she, and I'd ask her, you know, tell me your immediate response in your head when I say, you're beautiful. She says, no, I'm not. No, I'm not. Oh, shoot, right, can't use that then Because then if she goes around and puts stickies all over her house saying you're beautiful Every time that she has that, she's going to be saying no you're not And she's not going to believe that you're a beautiful one She's going to believe the curse, right? Because when you believe in it, that's when it has an effect So the beautiful isn't going to have any effect And the no you're not is going to have a big effect And so she probably will come out of that feeling worse Because the more often you have a negative thought, the more negatively you'll feel so I'm actually setting her up to feel worse. It backfired. Backfired. So we started talking about different alternatives to your beautiful. And eventually we came to one that was more positive than gross. And one that I felt was acceptable, which was you have potential. <laughs> you have potential. And that went up on the stickies everywhere. So every time she said you're gross, she would say no. You have potential. And she could believe that. She could believe that. And she didn't have a reaction in her head. It didn't backfire. One of the great things about being having a relationship with God is that we can have that process that I had with that client with God. And to the extent that you believe in God and have trusted Him, when He gives you an alternative to your self-talk, it's going to be something that you believe because you believe God. So it's great to have prophetic words become your alternative self-talk. So when God says, you're beautiful, you might have this response of like, that's weird. (laughs) But if you believe God, it's like, I don't know why He thinks that, but He thinks that. All of a sudden you have something that you maybe can hold on to. And can actually change the way you feel. The blessings of God rather than your own curse. And in the same way that it can backfire in the natural if you don't actually believe it. It can backfire in the spiritual if God doesn't have any will behind it. God doesn't believe it. So let's give you some examples Because there's lots in the Bible It's a great reality when you realize That curses can actually turn into blessings Abraham and Sarah This is just the one that I don't know for some reason It's not really the best example But it is an example And it's the one I chose because I liked it Abraham and Abimelech I should have said that a lot before Abimelech So Abraham journeyed everywhere with his Wife Sarah, who is actually also, I think, his half-sister. So when he went around, she was extremely beautiful. And in order to not get into trouble with various people, he would call her his sister. And save them trouble when they ran into other kings. So they went to this king, Abimelech, and Abraham, as was his habit, said, she is my sister. And in this case, Abimelech the king of Gerar sent and took Sarah oh she's gone but God came to Abimelech in a dream by night I'm reading it here and said to him indeed you are a dead man because the woman you have taken or she because of the woman you have taken for she is a man's wife poor Abimelech Imagine having that dream. I mean, I had had pity on him in the beginning because it was like, well, he's a sister. But then I remembered he took her. And then I was like, I didn't feel so bad for him that he had this dream because he just took her. It wasn't like Abraham gave her. And Abraham said, hey, I'm in the integrity of my heart. I didn't know. I didn't know. And God said, yes, I know that you did this in the integrity of your heart. I also withheld you from sinning against me, therefore I did not let you touch her until you fell asleep. And now we can talk. I have that little peace. Now, therefore, restore the man's wife, for he is a prophet. And he will pray for you, and you shall live. Basically, I'm putting your life in his hands. But if you do not restore her, know that you shall surely die. You and all who are yours. And Abimelech was terrified. Woke up in the morning, called all of the servants, and got Abraham and gave the wife back. Then Abimelech took sheep, oxen, and male and female servants and gave them to Abraham. And he restored Sarah, his wife, to him. And Abimelech said, See, my land is before you. Dwell where it pleases you. Then to Sarah he said, Behold, I have given your brother a 1,000 pieces of silver, indeed this vindicates you before all who are with you, and before everybody. Skip down. So Abraham prayed to God, and God healed Abimelech, his wife, his female servants, and then they all bore children. For the Lord had closed up all their wombs, and because of what he had done with Sarah. So here you have, I love this example, because here you have Abraham, who has so much of God's favor in his life, that he can walk around being sneaky, saying that she's my sister, gets himself into all kinds of trouble, gets his wife taken, which is kind of his own fault, because he's being sneaky, but he has so much favor with God, that God still backs him up. God still backs him up, even when he's being deceptive. And not only does he back him up and restore his wife, but he gets a bunch of land, a bunch of money, a bunch of servants in the deal. When you go against the favor of God, <coughs> you've got to watch out. Because even if that person with the favor of God isn't quite you know, walking properly, they are favored. I don't care what my son did. I care that you hit him. That's my son. He is mine, and I have a purpose for him. And not only are you going to say sorry for hitting him, but you are now going to help him get my purpose in his life. Don't mess with my kids. As a dad, I can understand that. And it happens in other places in the Bible. The Israelites were in captivity for hundreds of years. People messing with God's children, and when God was good and ready, he released the Israelites. And the Lord had given his people favor in the sight of the Egyptians, so that they granted to them whatever they requested. Thus, the Israelites, this is what it says, plundered the Egyptians. The Egyptians had cursed the Israelites, and now they plundered the Egyptians. It totally backfired. Egypt was in ruins. Mm-hmm. God had two purposes He was working with the Israelites in that, but He was also vindicating His children, the people who He had favor on. Backfired curse. The Bible says that children who cursed their parents bring a curse on themselves. Exodus 21-17 And he who curses his father or his mother shall surely be put to death. Another backfired curse. But I know that the story about Abraham isn't really a curse, and I'm talking about curses, so I'll give you the really kind of clear one. In verse 22, there was a man named Balak who was king, and there was a person who, Balaam, who was cursing for a living. Curses are powerful. He made a living off of it. Moab, the the country of Balak, was very afraid of the Israelites. So Balak said, I'm afraid of these people. I want you, Balaam, to come and I want you to curse them. Because who you curse is really cursed. So curse them so that we can be okay. Perhaps I shall be able to drive them out of the land, For I know that he whom you you bless is blessed, and he whom you curse is cursed. So, we call them Balaam. Then God, because he favored Israel, said to Balaam, you shall not go with them, you shall not curse the people, for they are blessed. Balaam actually said, okay. He said, okay, I won't curse them. I'm going to do whatever you want, God. Normally I curse people, but if you show up, I will. Listen, I know how this works. And I think that's a really interesting point, because when I talk to people in my psychology practice, who practice in curses, oftentimes they know about this backfiring principle. And they talk to me about how, you know what? You've got to be really careful about cursing people, because sometimes it can backfire. They know about this, and so did Balaam. (laughs) So Balaam says, hey God, okay, I agree with you. No curse. God still shows up, has a donkey talk to him, has an angel show up, (laughs) threatens him, don't you dare curse them. Okay, he says. He goes, he goes because Balak still wants to talk to him, so Balak goes obediently, and Balak says to, to curse them, and he blesses them. He says, why did you bless them? God told you to curse them. He blesses them again. He says, you've, cursed, you've blessed them two times. Curse them. He blesses them again. It was not going the way Balak had planned. Then Balak's anger was aroused against Balaam, And he struck his hands together. I don't know. And Balak said to Balaam, I called you to curse my enemies, and look, you have bountifully blessed them three times, and Balaam blessed them again. I have one story of where a curse backfired on me. Curse maybe, I even still have trouble calling it a curse, but for the sake of the talk, let's call it a curse. So you heard from my mother, and uh, my mother's wonderful, and when I was young, I would tease Wilma. And Wilma is such a peacemaker, she is such a wonderful person, and so self-deprecating to a fault that she would almost, almost encourage it. And I did this regularly, I would tease her, and I'm going to resist from telling you the funny stories, but she had them, and they were hilarious, and I repeated them. It became a tradition, at special occasions, to talk about story after story after story, and we would laugh, and Wilma would laugh with us, encouraging us all the way. They were such funny stories, that I would try to include others in them. And sometimes it worked. I would tell people, this is what Wilma did, just like I'm tempted right now to tell you what those stories were. The problem is that, especially in Winnipeg, Wilma is very respected. (laughs) Some people almost call her a saint. To me, she's my mother, worthy of teasing. <laughs> and sometimes, I would go up to people, and they'd be talking to my mother, and I would say, I got a story for you. And I would tell it the best way I knew how, and then they would give me this look. They'd be like... I don't know what it was like, it's like... <laughs> It was like, just totally nonplussed. It was like, who are you? Do you know who this is? This is Wilma Dirksen. And I'd be like, yeah, I know. But you know what she did, and I'd try again, and she'd be, and they'd be like, who do you think you are? Teasing Wilma. Do you know how lucky you are to have her, this saint, as your mother? <laughs> it would completely backfire. Instead of people laughing at her, I was like the devil. I was like the worst child in the world. I was totally deflated. And to the point where I almost never tell stories to anybody anymore about them. Because I never know when I would be when it would completely backfire. Wilma has a lot of favor in the city. Wilma has a lot of favor in the city. There's somebody who has more favor than Wilma. Somebody who has more favor than me. Somebody who's still alive. Christ Galatians 3.13 Christ has redeemed us from the curse of the law having become a curse for us. For it is written, cursed is everyone who hangs on a tree. It became a curse for us that the blessing of Abraham might come upon the Gentiles in Christ Jesus. The man with the most favor In the earth received the greatest curse in the earth, and it backfired in the greatest measure of any backfired curse in history. He was hung on a tree shortly before he cursed a tree. It makes me wonder if he knew a little bit of this and got frustrated with trees in general. (laughs) curse you before you curse me it wasn't his curse to take it was our curse it was our curse and for his curse which he didn't just receive and bounce back like with Abraham he actually lived out the curse he actually took it And there are times when God will ask you to take a curse for somebody else, I believe. As a Christian, God allows us to love each other. He allows us to love each other just in the way that he said to Jesus. He didn't say, Jesus, you go and you go and rescue them because you're Jesus. I think it was more like this. Jesus came to him and he said, my bride's in trouble. And then he said, is there any other way? I was like, I don't think so, son. I don't think so. There's only one way. And then he said, Dad, will you let me go save my bride? Will you let me go take her curse? I don't want her to take it. I don't want to take it for her. somebody with the will of God on their life watch out because I'm not here to tell you that curses aren't powerful I'm here to tell you about who's more powerful I'm not saying that Satan doesn't have power or that you don't get immediate gratification from some of (laughs) the things you do with him, but I'm telling you who's more powerful I'm telling you Who is the most powerful being in the world? With Jesus, we don't have to be afraid of curses. In fact, you might even want to pray for more, you might want to go out into a place where you can collect them. Where you can collect the curses of the enemy. And you can go to God and you can say, look, look what they did to me. I'm doing it for you, God. Do you want me to live through it? Do you want to pay me now? Or do you want to pay me later? Because I got cursed. And I believe that God is going to take that curse and either now or later is going to overwhelmingly pay you back. He is going to compensate you beyond for what you've gone through. Jesus took the biggest curse, and he is equivalent with God. Job took curses. I actually don't believe Job was totally innocent. That's another sermon. But in spite of his own stuff, in spite of the the fact that God had to spend multiple chapters in the Bible talking about how he was big and Job was small, at the end of it, he said, "Okay." And he still overwhelmingly blessed him. Paid him back. Not even in the kingdom to come, but here. And I don't believe that most of the blessings we get are here. I believe that most of them, mainly we get them here, most of them are after. I think we're going to be all surprised when we see Job's house. <laughs> I think it's going to be big. So I don't want anybody, and this is why I can. I can work in the spirit room. Because I believe I'm a very cursed man. This is why I feel like I can be a pastor. Because I believe as a pastor, I'm a very cursed man. I believe I'm cursed by people. I don't know if I'm more cursed by Christians or (laughs) non-Christians. And I think that I'm going to be cursed by the government one day. I wouldn't be surprised if at some point that lives itself out in some way there might be people here who are cursing me right now (laughs) or people who were here before and I feel like I can be here and do this because I have the favor of God in me and I believe that I'm his kid and if you deal with me I might not look like much But you don't really have to deal with me. Mm -hmm. You've got to deal with the one who sent me. I dare you. I pray that any fear in this room about being cursed because people are doing your will would go right now in the name of Jesus. Let no curse hold one of your children back from your divine calling in their life in the name of Jesus. I declare freedom from all fear right now. I declare freedom right now. And I also pray that if a curse, because you are not have the favor of God in your life, I pray that you would open up eyes to see how to get the favor of God in your life, so that you no longer have to be under a curse. You can have freedom too. I want everybody here, no matter how you walked in, I want you to walk out of here Free. Free be a kid with Jesus and free to do God's will, even if you have to walk into the darkest